Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Hello and welcome to Been There, Done That on Joy 94.9. I'm Chris. I'm Gordon. And I'm Croaky Old Phil. <laughs> welcome back, Croaky Old Phil. Thank you. You should have heard me last week. Well, you couldn't have <laughs> well, heard we me. couldn't have heard you last week. No. It, you, you're back on deck, which well, is the main thing. I'm crawling along the deck. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Titanic's not quite sinking yet. No. Not like other things that have been oh, almost God, been sinking. It's and, been uh, almost, almost the chaos of Titanic in Canberra over the weekend of the last oh, week, hasn't it? Wasn't that unenlightening? It was, oh. it was bad behaviour. Oh, well, I think it's ego and temperament over talent, quite frankly. Hissy fits. Hissy fits. God, Ruth. If you look on the bright side, by this time next year, we could all be Prime Minister yeah, for a day. But I like, I like the, the expression that somebody, when they said that when, you, when you're getting older and there's something goes wrong with your brain, they ask you who the Prime Minister of Australia is. Who would you tell them? Well, that's not a fair question anymore, not is it? Not a fair question at all. <laughs> your no. first question is, what time is it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's true. It's very sad, and unfo- unfortunately, that uh, our politicians seem to be on high rotation. Um, but nothing's changed, really. With this latest alteration, yeah. exactly. Nothing's changed. It just They just still just rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic, I think, because I don't think they're going to last that long by the way they're going on, the way the people are talking about it. But maybe the US administration will get this guy's name right. Well, they've already f- f- phoned Mr Morrison. They've, what did already, they call him, though? I don't know. Scoma, perhaps? <laughs> oh, no. You can't do that anymore. One of the side effects has been the quietening down immediately of the rampant right from some of the shock jocks in Sydney. Oh, yes. Well, they, they got that real blast from Mr Turnbull. Well, they And did. also in the paper from one of our ex-Prime Ministers, Mr Rudd. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I think Mr Jones might be actually having a, a week's holiday. No, he deserves it. Because there's nothing it. else to be taught. And he will say, of course, that he's giving the new Prime Minister uh, room to move and get things in order so that when he comes back in a month, a week's time, he'll be able to give him some advice and tell him what he's done wrong. Wasn't it, um, Mr Jones, that um, Scott Morrison told him he would never appear on his show? I have a vague feeling that was there was one of them that, that they don't like Mr Morrison because mm. he said, no, you can go and jump in the lake sort of thing, you know. They wouldn't, they wouldn't do anything. Well, why them. would you appear on those shows unless you fully agreed with everything they said? Because exactly. they don't listen. They're, no. they're a talk show. Yeah, well, <laughs> they're, they're, this is the problem with them, you know. But fortunately, we don't get either of them down here in Victoria. I don't think yeah, they would rate the, very well. They live in a bubble and they think they're running the country on Sydney radio. Well, of course, the, the, the Fourth Estate really do 
um, have a lot to say in running the running the country because well, they're they, the people that put up all the things in the papers and the televisions and the radios and everything, and get the politicians to follow them. And then when things go wrong, they don't blame themselves. They say they blame the government. You know. It looks like we'll have an opportunity maybe in May or sometime earlier to re-elect the People's Parliament. Well, do you reckon? Certain people won't be able to claim their seats anymore that are in the current Parliament. Yeah, well, the, 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 with the um, uh, the poll that they took the day after that yeah, the but thing that, happened, that was that's a very poll. Quick, yeah, well, about a very broad poll, but there's going to be they reckon that 24 people there'd be 24 seat losers or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Mm. So that will change the complexion immediately. Yeah. But Even who, if the same mob get in, mm. there'll be lots of their people that don't. So... Uh, but, mm. all, but, but the ultra-right-wing conservatives will probably be able to stay there because they're in safe seats, which will be fun. Anyhow, we've, we've got to live with what we've got apparently at the moment. And, and, and there's a saying that you get the politicians you deserve. So, <laughs> Well, I think what it really shows is that the two-party system doesn't serve us particularly well. There was there was a very interesting comment from uh, ex-Prime Minister Howard, and I don't agree with Mr Howard on very much. I do agree with, with him on the gun control, which was absolutely brilliant. But the other thing was that he said that they should be made to work before they get into politics. I've been saying this for years. They should do at least 10 years Street in an ordinary experience. job before they even allowed to sit in Parliament because they don't have any experience whatsoever. They go straight out of university and straight into the political scene. And, and they've and still they, got the silver spoon in yeah, their mouth. Yeah, it's just, just ridiculous. They shouldn't be allowed to make laws until they've obeyed some. Yes, well, there's a good one, yes. Oh, there you are. But, but they should work for 10 years. You know, as, as John Howard pointed out himself, he said, I worked for 10 years as a lawyer. Well, that doesn't sort of, that gets you into some of the, the um, general public, but they should be made to work in shops or building sites or something or other. You start and really to see get the reality of life. The reality of life is what they don't get. That's the problem, yeah. So you can't say things like, let them eat cake? Oh, well, they probably Is that do. frowned upon? Probably, probably, yeah. <laughs> well... Not that we're grumpy old men, but we have seen a lot of this previously in our lifetimes. I don't know how many pro- I don't know how many prime ministers I've lived through since I turned twenty-one and was able to vote for the first time. Mm. And isn't it interesting? You get the right to vote, but you don't lose the right to vote as you get older. No, you no. take that with you to the grave. I know. I think after eighty, you don't have to vote. You're not. It's not compulsory. Not compulsory. You can still vote, but you don't have to. Mm. But, uh, but you I, don't have to vote anyhow. All you have to do is go and get your name crossed off the electoral roll to say that you have attended. Yeah. And you can just write a happy Christmas or just put a cross through it. Um, Virginia Trioli was on the television one morning and she said, I don't vote for any of them. I go in, I get my name crossed off, and I put a big cross right through the both papers and put them in the thing. And she said, I don't vote for anybody, and therefore I don't have to worry about what I say to any of them when I interview them, yeah. which is a very good way of being. I thought you had to draw a picture of a donkey. Oh, yes, something like that. And then it's counted as a a donkey vote. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's it's very difficult living under those circumstances. And and they live in a fishbowl, of course, in Canberra. I would hate to live in that sort of environment as a workplace. Not good. Not good at all. Here we got Kim Carnes. She's got a little bit of something to say. I think you know this song. It's a good one. Hollow gold, lips sweet surprise. 
snow She got Betty Davis eyes This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. And you're with Chris, Gordon and Phil. Been there, done that. Joy 94.9. Thanks for being with us. We've got a couple of birthdays coming up at the moment. Renee Richards. On the 19th of August, 1934, she was born... But she was born and lived for the first 41 years of her life as a man. Yes. And then transitioned. As an adult, that would be a very hard thing to have done basically halfway through your life. And she'd had a professional life where she was an ophthalmologist. That means make looking after your eyes, doesn't it? It does, yes. yeah. I thought it was something to do with moths. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Entomologist. <laughs> uh, but then she transitioned and rebuilt herself in this new form and in the sporting field. Yeah, she became a... She was always a very... He, when he was a he, was a very good tennis player as well as being an ophthalmologist. So, of course, uh, changing gender, um, he... Still, she still started, still kept playing tennis, and she was the one of the uh, people that did that uh, match against um, one of the other top tennis players. Uh, that, he was a bit older, of course; he wasn't in his top form. And I think they had a—I thought they had a, a tennis match. I vaguely remember something about it, but um, well, Billie Jean King came along later in the picture. Yeah, but she was just, she was a woman, and uh, one of the. And out, she was outed actually as a lesbian during during her tennis career. Yeah, but the the big fuss came about when um, the U.S. Open was coming up just after Renee had transitioned. That's right. And they basically said you can't, you can't. enter as a woman. And his quote was was you can't tell me what I can or cannot do. And the, that's when the lawyers came in. <laughs> it oh, turns I- out he never actually intended to play in the U.S. Open. Then I guess it's something that still hasn't been settled today. Is well, men who have transitioned to women aren't considered women? Well, look at what they did with the uh, VFL women's side. There, mm. there was one of the local transitioned uh, woman. She wanted to play um, AFL women's football, and they wouldn't let her because they said she was too big and strong to be a, a, a player. But it's you know I thought when they take some of the transitioning drugs, their their muscle power reduces. Well, yes. You know, so it's not as strong. It, you wouldn't it's a complicated you? comparison. You can't say mm. no because you were a man because you're, you're becoming a woman, but you're still going to have some physical attributes. You're probably heavier bones or something or other. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. So I'm glad I don't have to make the decision of who can no, play I where. I don't know, but good luck to them if they want to do. If that's the way it has to be, that's the way it's got to be. And good luck to everybody the, that wants to do it. And, the point of transitioning, you know, though, is to become the person that you, that you want feel to be. you are. Yeah, that's right. That's the way the way you feel so about it. It yeah. shouldn't be discouraged at all. Yeah. Well, look at look at what happened with Chelsea Manning going on another thing. He he was a soldier in the army and was a. Wikipedia um, um, spy or whatever you want to call him and um, got no, jailed. WikiLeaks. A WikiLeaks, yes. He was yes. a WikiLeaker. He had thousands of yes, documents that's right. well, and of course, videos. And when he was in, uh, they jailed him. Um, they, 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 they got him into jail and all the rest of it. And uh, he wanted to transition while he was in jail. And, and did. And did, yes. And, uh, and the last thing, one of the last things 
President Obama did was to pardon him and let him free. Let now, her free, I beg your pardon. Yeah, now, did that transition occur whilst she was in jail and under Obama administration? Yes. So... I don't think you it would have happened under ha- Trump. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I don't think it would happen under Trump indeed. No, no. No, uh, but because the army paid for those medical expenses. That's right, yes. So it was, uh, I, I, I admire her for her courage in sort of doing what she did, sort of letting everybody know what was going on in the world mm. as well, and um, as uh, and then having the, the strength of character to transition when she yeah. wanted to do. Yeah, Caitlin Jenner is another one of these people who are in the news. that They were famous before they became famous mm. a second time round. Well, he's famous as a male athlete. Yes. An yes. Olympic male athlete. He was an Olympic, so. Olympic medalist, actually, yes. But uh, I had never seen Caitlyn Jenner until last week, I think it was, or it could have been a couple of weeks ago. It was on the television on the mm. Adam Hill show, and uh, she was a guest. I didn't realise she was so tall. She's a tower. You know, a very she's large person. Very, <laughs> very nice figure. Very, mm. not, not overweight or anything, but uh, of course she had had heels on, of course, which made her look even taller. But, but yeah. I don't know if it's because we've known him and then her mm. for decades, mm. but I don't see her as attractive as, say, Chelsea Manning, who was a fairly petite, feminine-looking man who is quite an attractive woman now. Yeah. So Chelsea, quite different. Chelsea's quite pretty, actually. Yeah. She's got quite... But, but Caitlin, I, I, I thought... She's got an interesting face, but it was—it wasn't masculine. It wasn't a masculine face. It was quite a feminine face. But well, think it what it's been through living with Kardashians. Oh, yeah. So you're not going to come out of that unscathed. <laughs> yes, there's, there's, a, there's the truth. That's going to hurt. <laughs> That's the truth, ain't it? Yes, yeah. But it's just amazing. But it's uh, well, good luck to them. But there have been a few few trailblazers in the world, and there's been a lot of um, actors. In Hollywood too, I can't remember any of the names. So there's a lot of transgendered actors now in Hollywood. Actors, men to women actors and women well, to men actors. I think the, the beauty is now that people have got the opportunities, and they've had the pioneers mm. ahead of them, so that they can now transition to whichever gender they identify. identify. Yeah. And uh, in fact, it's, it's becoming commonplace. So they're not freaks. No, no. But anymore. There is mm. no speciality anymore. It's, but it's, it's mostly great. in television. It's not in the movies. The, a lot of the transgendered um, people are in television, acting in television series and st- what have you. But they're, they're still not being portrayed in the movies because if they want a, a, um, a, a transgendered person in the movies, they usually get somebody that they make them out to be transgendered, which is, um, causes a bit of con- conflict in the uh, community when they do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, but, the, uh, but there's a lot of thing about gay men playing straight men or straight men playing gay acting yeah. parts on the film or the television. And they say, look, how many gay actors have played straight for years? Look, <laughs> look at Rock Hudson, for instance. He's played straight for years. And a lot of them have played straight for years. But it's, it's just so stupid. But anyhow... On the 1st of September, 1939, was born Lily Tomlin. The gorgeous Lily. She, she <laughs> makes me laugh. Well, yes, she is. She's, Which is she, good because she's a comedian. Yes. But she's also a very good actor. She was in the West Wing. 
As, was she? Oh yes, oh, she see, was. I don't watch TV. Well, she was. She was in the West Wing, and a very, very good part she played too. Very straightforward um, secretary of, of, for something for some reason. She was great in that. I loved her. I could just see her on the phones. Oh. One ringy dingy. <laughs> One ringy dingy. <laughs> wow. I mean, this is the beauty of Lily. She, I, she created a few characters which identify her. Immediately. Oh, God, yes. Yep. And Perhaps to the older generation, though. Well, though Chris, possibly not, not those, yeah, because. So much of the younger she, people. I mean, in the early 70s, she was on the TV mm-hmm. as a. In Australia, it was an imported program, so there was a fair amount of political content in it that we didn't she understand. She was in Laugh-In. But she Laugh-in? was in a show called Laughing mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Rowan and Martin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where some of her characters came out. Yes. And this is why she is so well known to a certain group in our community. But she is a lesbian lady. Oh, yes, she's been out. She's been with her partner for years. Exactly. And she's had no problems, it would seem, being as she is. Mm. But once again, a pioneer, a real pioneer in TV playing these characters. Now, we've got a little skit here to play for you who don't know her. And yes, Phil, she does play a telephonist. Now, who or what were a telephonist? What was their job? Well, back in the ancient times... Yes. A telephone exchange was a building with a, a predominantly women sitting at panels, answering the phone and asking who people wanted to talk to and then connecting them. They'd have to put a, a plug into a hole in the panel yeah. yes, to that, link the two to, calls. To, to answer the thing. And then they'd say, who do you want to speak to? And then they'd pick the, the outside plug up and put it into the, to the hole that was corresponding yeah. to the call they wanted to make. So nowadays we have computers doing all that. Yes. Or say at a reception job. The, the actual physical connection for the call is a lot easier than using cables. Yeah. But it made for very good comedy. Because she would interrupt and she would uh, react, interact with the person calling and uh, that was something that telephonists really should not do. Well, we had, when I, we had one of those exchanges where I lived in, in WA and... Um, the, the girl on the switchboard could tell you almost everything that was going on in the town. <laughs> <laughs> yes. oh, that's, that's the way to do it, I think. Oh, yes. Definitely. Anyway, uh, she, uh, Lily is talking about Jedgar, who in fact is J. Edgar Hoover. Well, uh, no, not really. Uh, she's not really talking to him. It's a skit. And she's sending up the... Head of the CIA, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, and he and he For was too long. he was also one of us because his he boyfriend was he was gay. His boyfriend was um, I forget his name, but they're buried together. Yeah, beside one another. Well, I hope the, they're dead in Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> in the Hollywood lawn or something. Rather, they're buried both beside one another. Hmm. Here we go. One ringy dingy. Is this Mr. Hoover, Miss, Mr. Jedgar Hoover? Good. Then, then I have reached the party to whom I am speaking. Mr. Hoover, this is Miss Tomlin from the telephone company. It is my duty, Mr. Hoover, to discuss with you some of the abuses of your instrument. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, it, it does sound rather un-American, doesn't it? <laughs> now then, Mr. Hoover, I have your file here before me. Oh, yes, I'm sure that you have a file on me, too. After all, turnabout is fair play. 
yes, it does sound perverted. Now, now then, Mr. Hoover, Mr. Hoover, I have a delicate problem. I find that you and your agents have indulged in the illegal and unfair practice of wiretapping. Wiretapping. Oh, Mr. Hoover, listening to other people's conversations. Oh, how do I know? From listening to your calls, that's how I know. Oh, no. Mr. Hoover, don't be rude. I'll make a loud noise into my mouthpiece and perhaps deafen you for life. Now, Mr. Hoover, may I ask, do you have a telephone directory handy? Good. Let us turn to page VIII and recite in unison... It is a crime under both federal and state law to use a telephone for annoying or harassing purposes or to knowingly permit a phone under one's control to be used for such purposes. This includes calls in which the caller remains silent, etc., 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 etc. Oh, you do know the law, Mr. Hoover. Now, Jedgar, listen, is there anybody at your place listening in? Everybody, good. Let's get right to the nitty-gritty. There's absolutely no reason for your people to skulk about, electronically speaking. You, you can get all the information you need from us. Probably a lot more accurately, too. Good. Good, then we will be in touch. Oh, and Mr. Hoover, before you go, I must tell you how much I admire your vacuum cleaner. Hello? Mr. Hoover? Well... Why do you suppose he got so huffy? Love radio? Joy is now on iHeartRadio. Turn us on anywhere. You're with Gordon, Phil and Chris. Been there, done that. Joy 94.9. Oh, I do miss Lily Tomlin. She's a very funny lady. She is a very funny lady indeed, Gordon. Thank you. But she's happily married now and probably at her... Well, how old is she? She's 79. I think she's basically retired from, I would from the comedy she circuit. she deserves now. to mm. be retired. Mm. <laughs> she's had the old guest role on Will and Grace and a few shows like that. Has she? Oh, right, right. Which is nice because it just puts her face out there Out again. there still. Well, let's get to some serious stuff. Yes, it's uh, sad to actually have to re- recall that on the 14th of August, 1928... A series of massacres began, and they were massacres of some members of the Indigenous community. Quite a few members of the Indigenous community, actually. Oh, no, 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 no. Surely the press reports of the events, 1928, I mean, there was newspapers around and there was radio. But I don't think that they knew how to count. Oh, because when you they this it all happened at Coniston Station, which is way out past Alice Springs. There was a dingo trapper had stolen one of the Aboriginal men's wives, and he didn't get any payment for it, so he shot the trapper. And then the news came out, and there was a policeman in the area, and he said, "Right, oh, we're going out there." And they went out there, and they started killing all the Indigenous people in the area. Revenge. Revenge. And is this correct? I'm reading a little report here that says that from the 14th of August to the 18th of October 1928, not even 100 years ago, 
two months worth of shooting. Mm. Mm. Indiscriminate. Yeah, this, un, well, uh, it, it was murder, wasn't it? Well, it was basically murder. Yeah, yeah. But they just they just got away with it. But the the people would like to have uh, the anniversary of the Coniston massacres done like a, an Anzac Day to remembrance remember to remember the yeah, fallen yeah. because they were just they were just hunted down and shot and it was just an awful awful bloody situation. I guess they but, but felt that the whites were the superior race and all the rest of it, you know. Well, it was white man's law that they were mm. invoking mm. that mm. we can do this. Yeah. But white man's law doesn't say you can massacre. No. Oh. But they but according to the, the, the Might the, is right. Yeah. The official figures said there were thirty killed. But then they the, the indigenous people say there was probably more than a hundred and some one figure even went up to hundred and ten. Yeah. That now, were so killed. Today we have the internet mm. and everybody can know everything that's going on virtually anywhere. Almost instantly. Yeah. Now, in 1928, they would have had radio communications between major stations. Yeah, but would the they outback. have had it out there? I would expect that these Northern Territory policemen figured no one would ever hear about this because dead men don't tell tales. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which is a horrible attitude to have, quite frankly. Yeah, but, but, but I'm not sure when the um, pedal um, radio was... But, you know, they thing that yeah. they, the Australians invented, the pedal radio, so that they could contact one another from around yeah, the world. Yeah, but it was for school of the air. School of the air the and all those doctor. sort of things, yeah, but they could use it. But it but, was, yeah, I it don't, was, whether, was the only form of communication. Mm, mm. And these events were non, non-verifiable because it why, happened out of sight. That's why they said there was the, the thing was 30 and, there was over, yeah. and the, the Indigenous people know that there was over 100. But there they didn't no have evidence. a voice. They didn't have a voice, that's right. Mm. Mm. Not very good at all. So it's it's interesting that of late, a lot of the events of the early couple of centuries here in Australia uh, are now getting more exposure of the actual occurrences that and the reasons behind them. And we're looking at them with 21st century eyes and our current attitudes. And I'm afraid that we can't be all that proud of our forefathers. Well, there's little to be proud of, and it's quite frankly unbelievable behaviour. Mm. Mm. But that wasn't the only one. There was, there's, they've done a map um, that where they've shown where all the uh, these massacres were occurring, all in Australia, right around Australia in in those times. There's somebody's drawn up a map map of. Yeah, the, there were two hundred or more. Yeah, and but if they're all in remote communities, well, some of them weren't that uh, remote when it was happening. Yeah, it's just I just find it incredible that. Mm. Yeah, that kind of justice. <laughs> well, want of a better word. I don't think it's justice. It's just murder. Well, we don't. Yeah, we don't see it now. That no, way. no. But, but then again, it's uh, it's one of those dreadful situations that happened, and I think that the indigenous population have got a right to have some sort of memorial made to that uh, dreadful event. Quite frankly. Yeah. Well, they're living with the loss of life. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, we've apologised once, we can do it again. Yeah, yeah. Well, the problem seems to have been that there is no guilt associated with these events because they were done out of sight. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's just mm, got away with it once. However, on the 23rd of August 1966, the Gurindji tribal elder Vincent Lingiari led 200 Aboriginal workers off their jobs at the Wave Hill cattle station, 800 kilometres south of Darwin, where they worked for the British pastoral company 
Vesti. Mm-hmm. Now, Vesti once again seemed to think that these unnamed and unrecognisable people were not on the same social plane as themselves. Basically slaves. Yeah. Mm. And we were talking, I think, last week, Gordon, about... Slavery. Slave labour here Mm. in Australia, Mm -hmm. which still goes on. But here we are, back in 1966, the the people there stood up for themselves. They withdrew their labour. And they did it very successfully, too, because they, they shut the whole of Wave Hill Station down. And I think it was not it long was after... It was a strike that lasted seven years. Yeah, I, and after that, I have a vague feeling that that was when Vesti sold out of Australia. Vesti owned a huge amount of mm. land up there, and I think that's when, after that, he, the Vesti family or conglomerate yeah. sold out. Mm. But the Gringy's uh, complaints included low wages and poor conditions... Um, so what's new, mm. uh, it still hasn't been resolved. Uh, but the focus of the campaign moved from workers' rights to land rights. And land rights had been part of the Indigenous political actions before. You know, there's been a Yukala Bark petition that we talked about recently, a 1946 uh, Pilbara walk-off. Uh, but the Protracted, high-profile and ultimately successful Gurindji strike is a foundational moment in the Aboriginal lands rights movement in Australia. It's still, and the fight's still going on, of course. You know, oh, yeah. It's not stopped. But nowadays in Northern Territory, more and more, large percentage of the, uh, the defined area of Northern Territory is now under... Indigenous, uh, indigenous control. control. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say ownership, but no, <laughs> control. no control. Control. Yeah, yeah. But it's <clears throat> getting back to our very first opening remarks about the the government. I see that Mr. Morrison has made Mr. Abbott the ambassador for Indigenous affairs or oh, something or other. Wonderful person. Yeah, something what, like what a that. Prize. Yeah. Uh, appointment. But he's, he, an envoy. Wow. An envoy. Yes. Oh, but, envoy. But he's very. Uh, he's very keen on Aboriginal affairs is Mr. Abbott, so maybe it'll get him out of the way. Well, Make him go out the country a bit Will more. he be able to get around? Why? Because I heard some time ago we built an Abbott-proof fence. <laughs> and we were talking about that last week too. <laughs> Thank you. Always eat. Your knee must be getting better, Phil. Well. And your, your brain from your cold must be working too, because that was very clever. <laughs> yeah, but the, but the but it's it's still going on. You know, you've still got the we, well. We've said it many times about the Uluru statement from the heart that Mr. Turnbull just said we're not going to do anything about it. But um, I don't think yeah, Scott that, Morrison that'll come back. That's not going away. It shouldn't go away either. Yeah, it'll come back when there's a decent government. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Do you realise how they required their their staff, their Aboriginal workers, to live? Corrugated iron humpies, without floors, without lighting, there's no sanitation. You had to go and dig a hole in the back block somewhere. There's no furniture or cooking facilities. We were just treated like dogs, one of the uh, people said. Uh, We were lucky to get paid the 50 quid a month that we were due, and we lived in tin humpies you had to crawl in and out of on your knees. There was no running water, the food was bad, just flour, tea, sugar, and bits of beef like the head or feet of Bullock. The Vesties mob were hard men. They didn't care about us blackfellas. Phil, uh, Chris, that also gets back to the fact that they felt that that was the way 
the tribal um, indigenous people lived mm. because they had the mayamayas and what have you, where they, which, which was their shelter. Humpies. Yeah, yeah, and they they would just. Um, that was all they would. That was all they deserved, you know. And they could cook over an open fire and all this sort of nonsense, you know. So that's that's they were trying to take them back to where they would have been had they been living in their natural uh, environment, mm. which which is pretty shocking when you. And then they would they were, were they were great horsemen, of course. Once they learned to ride a horse, they were great riding horses and rounding up the cattle and doing everything. But treated like dirt, yeah, not nice. On the 29th of August 1958 was born singer-songwriter Michael Jackson. Oh, little Michael. Now, he's been and gone from our world, but not from our lives. Um, I mean, he, he was totally incredible. When he was a little youngster as part of the Jackson 5, his career started and he was... Uh, an extrovert. I reckon that the Jackson Five were great when he was in it in yeah. the in the five. Yeah, I re- they were all pretty talented people, but I think just little Michael just jumping around in the bottom was just made that group. <laughs> it really did. Um, yeah, but Michael himself won the the title of King of Pop, and he was wor- uh, recognised by the Guinness World Book of Records, Book of World Records, as the most successful entertainer of all time. But uh, when he died in 2009, there was much dispute about the way he died and where he had got himself to in life. He had a very... I reckon it must have been quite a sad life, really, because, you know, it, 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 he did that all that whitening of the skin and all the rest of what well, they he, said. He they didn't said have a was, childhood because he was working from the age of 13. That's right, yeah, yeah. They played um, ABC... Or one of his very early hits on Spicks and Specs, and they had to announce to their younger audience that Michael Jackson was in fact a young black man, even though he died as a an old white woman. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sad but true. Sad yeah, but true. Yeah. Chris and Gordon, been there, done that, Joy 94.9. On this day, or roundabout, on the 24th of August in the year 79, a town in Italy was destroyed as Mount Vesuvius erupted. Now, are you saying 79 like 1979, just no, abbreviating it? No, no. Very AD. early calendar. 
Anyhow, but the town we're talking about, of course, was Pompeii, which went kaboom. Well, it didn't go kaboom, well, it got flattened, actually. Uh, Mount Vesuvius went kaboom. It did indeed. As you say, there was a little town, Pompeii, at the foot of the volcano. And we've seen pictures recently in Hawaii how molten metal magma from the centre of the earth can run down. It wasn't that that actually killed the people in Pompeii. And it wasn't the big clouds of ash dropping over on the people. No, it was more like Mount St Helens in Washington State, where there was a, a cataclysmic explosion. And the what it's just the accelerated, it's, it's like a boiling hot wind. So it's, it's probably not visible. It's not full of ash yet, because all of that would follow. So these people sitting at their kitchen tables in Pompeii would have been fricasseed on the spot they'd be almost like having their breath sucked out from the heat and there's not time to run no. or anything like that because i've seen some of the pictures from the the site and it, it looks like they've been fossilized sitting at a table surely you would have got up and you know had a look out the window but well, they've since proved that it, it just it, it's so, so hot and it's so fast that it just would have wiped them out it was, it was very quick of course once those once those things start they just go bang and that's the end of it yeah, yeah. and it's not unlike some of the seams from Hiroshima where there's literally a nuclear shadow you can see where people were standing in the street because their shadow is there and the body's gone well on the 6th of August 1945 that occurred Mm. as part of war when the American army or air force in Ola Gay was no, the was plane. plane. Yeah. Little boy. Yeah something like that that, Uh, I was in the first atomic bomb I was in Tokyo Forty or fifty years later, nineteen eighty-five, yeah. and I saw the news coverage on TV. You couldn't understand a word because I was staying at a Japanese business hotel instead <laughs> of an American tourist hotel, <laughs> so it was all in Japanese. But you couldn't help but feel very Western when the the bombing was shown and all the footage of the time, and it was really quite a spooky feeling to be the the only white man in the building. But at the same time, I was quite innocent. I did not drop the bomb. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, they said seventy-four thousand people were were zapped and just fried, as you said. Mm. They were shadows uh, on the wall afterwards because of the fear, ferocity of the actual blast. But then, more than that, died from the after effects of the um, atomic of the um, radiation. Radiation. Precisely. Mm. What a nasty device is the atomic bomb. Huge death toll. It's also remarkable that there were, for many years, people who did actually live on, who were in what you would call the danger zone. But they eventually succumbed to the radiation sickness. I guess, well, yeah, but some people would have died at that age anyway. But (coughs) there were people that were just so horribly disfigured. And they sent in American doctors and scientists to examine the victims after the bomb. Because they'd never had anything like it before. They just wanted it all documented, which is just so cold. And Yeah, but I suppose in a way the, the, the people were the guinea pigs and they had to find out what the bomb had done. And now that's why so many of us live in fear of atomic war. And the nuclear war is what it would be. It's not a little gentle, safe little thing. Oh. When these these bombs go off... It is nasty, nasty, nasty. don't know how many people caught it, but last week on SBS they played war games with a very young Matthew Broderick who starts the, the country's main military computer in a game and the game is thermonuclear war. Oh, nasty. And it starts launching or preparing missiles for launch and all sorts of things because it missed 
the fact that it was a game and the computer was playing for real. Mm. Very good film with a very cute young Matthew Broderick, who I may have mentioned earlier. <laughs> no, we, we, we could see the sparkle in your eyes, Bill. But the, the good part about the movie is that Matthew was playing a game, he thought, with a, a gaming company in Sunnyvale, California, which is where I lived when I was over there. Can I just also remind you, over the weekend just gone, we were told of a report of some gamer in the US who lost at the game and turned around and massacred... Killed Other four people, people. Four people, and then killed himself. No, I think which, I, I, think which I suspect he wouldn't him, have they? done. No, I think he was self-inflicted. Did he? Oh, right. Can you imagine if he wasn't able to get a gun? How much safer that country would be? Wow. What a good concept. I wonder if anybody's thought about that. Uh, they have, and they're laughed down by the, mm. the people who like wearing short sleeves. Yes. The right to bear arms. <laughs> <laughs> you get a mileage out of that each time. <laughs> You're listening to Been There, Done That on Joy 94.9. On the 31st of August 1997, Diana, Princess of Wales, was killed in a car crash in Paris. And that was, well, as you would expect, totally unexpected. But boy, didn't they go to town with that on the news. You know, like she all things. She was the people's princess. Yeah, yeah. She was an icon for many, many people. She had the two young boys, Will and Harry. They were, what, just nudging teenage, I think, at that stage. Yeah. I think one was 13 and one was 11 or something, mm-hmm. rather. Mm. There was the funeral. The event was really avoidable, it would seem, because she was in the car with her boyfriend and... The photographers, the paparazzi, were chasing them, and somehow the Mercedes got out of control and crashed. But there was also the th- somebody was saying that the the driver he'd been drinking alcohol or something. Could well have been, but mm, you know, it's mm. events. It was meant conspired. to happen. It was, it was one of those things. One of those things that was going to happen anyhow. Mm. And uh, like what they say about air crashes, it's not just one single cause. No, it's, it's a, the coincidental or coincidental occurrence of lots of little things, and then you've got a catastrophe. When she was princess, she was actively involved in a variety of charity work, and among her most noticeable achievements were her assistance in the campaign against landmines, a cause which won the Nobel Prize in 1997 in tribute, and helping to decrease discrimination against victims of HIV-AIDS. She was one of the first people to go in and shake the hands of an AIDS victim. And that was but recorded on, on TV. TV. And people sort of went, oh, my God. You know, if Diana can if do it, we, we can, can do, do it. it yes. yeah. But she, she, she had all, also must have read all she could find out about the disease and realised that she couldn't get it being a blood-borne disease. It was, it was fine, as you could shake somebody's hands. But the stigma was very, very powerful. Oh, it still is. And it's the, the mm. fact that she physically touched them, I think, brought down more barriers than oh, yeah, yeah. You know, a thousand mm. other efforts. And it needed someone like that to do it. To, to make everybody realise that you could actually be compassionate. We all knew about it anyhow. We, we were touching them and all the rest of it. Mm. We, knew, we knew that you, there was nothing wrong. It took that the to make person. the ordinary people in the street to know yeah. that it was fine. Mm. I think also it was an opportunity for a generation to see public outpouring of grief. There were people wailing in the streets and there was such a connection between the person who died and the people and it was just an unbelievable situation that a lot of people found themselves in. It was grief. 
The song Candle in the Wind was written as a tribute to Norma Jean Mortensen better known as Marilyn Monroe. But for Diana's funeral service, Elton John reworked the words to reflect upon Diana. Anyway, we'll catch up with you next week. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. A diverse sound for a diverse crowd. Joy 94.9. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. 94.9.